0: You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. each and every Wednesday morning. Dr. Mark Echo and Harold H.B. Bell, and boy, I am blessed this You know, I'm in my element when we get all these women around, Mark. <laughs> Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, Warp and Wolf Radio, and before we get into dialogue this morning, because we're going to be talking about leadership. Uh, and women in leadership and and how they uh, convey their Christian faith in that process because the leadership is a tough, tough deal. And uh, we want to find out how do they manage keeping that that spiritual foundation right when they go out here and have to make some decisions that are rough and tough sometimes. So, Mark, before we get started, please introduce Comenius to the audience. And then we want to introduce our guests, take a break, and we're going to come back and get in.
1: Yeah, so we're really, really grateful here this morning to be able to be on this radio show. Uh, We've been doing this now for two years, and uh, I am just amazed at all of the good things that Christian folk are doing around Indianapolis. The focus and the motto for this particular program is Do Good, Do Good, Do Good out of Titus chapter 3. Our focus is to demonstrate goodness, to show beauty, and then perhaps to have an opportunity to speak truth and that ultimately is what we're all about. Cominies Institute is a bridge between high school and college for Christian young people uh, so that they might maintain a Christian view of life and things in public university. We're also having all kinds of great conversations with faculty, all of these things going on at IUPUI. Plus, all kinds of writing and intersection with culture. I just did a Moody Radio interview this morning at Chattanooga, Tennessee. So all kinds of good things are going on, HB.
0: You're making it happen. So we're going to take a short break as we do each and every week with our jazz interludes. And we're going to meet LaTanya Brown, founder and executive director of Leading Ladies. Tiffany Hadfield is in the house. And she is the director of Foundation of Corporate Giving at the YMCA. Laura Henderson, education coordinator with Families First. And Angie Ward, professor. And founder of Proregnum Foundation. So when we come back, we're going to find out about all these great ladies. You are listening to Warpin' Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove Radio site, RadioNext TV. We are live on the Cool Groove site. Uh, Dr. Mark Echo, Comenius Institute, and the ladies are in the house today. Dr. Mark, this is your show, man. So
1: yeah. Well, you know, I always expect that you're going to jump in here. So I, I see that little Cheshire Cat smile on your face, and I know we're going to go sideways. I'm going to behave
0: myself today, Mosh. My, <laughs> I, I had to behave after that Geno Shelton commercial, I think. I, <laughs> I owe Mom an apology, but we're going to do well today. We're going to be okay.
1: Uh, we're going to have a great show today. We're talking about women and leadership and uh, the emphasis that Christian women can have uh, in their places of uh, Uh, influence and I think this is really a powerful show it's one of those shows quite frankly that ought to happen more often Uh, we really need to focus our attention on those who give so much and of course that's all of the great women in our lives Uh, we're really glad to have you all here today thank you ever so much for taking the time to do this so uh, we have uh, lots of questions here to start off and what usually happens in our discussions is that it becomes a conversation So do not hesitate to jump in at any uh, juncture here. And uh, folks, if you want to text me and uh, send your own questions in, feel free to do that as well, 630-303-4891. So let's start out with uh, the very first question here on the list. Uh, What steps are we taking as women in leadership to help other women in leadership? How are we developing other women in leadership? This is radio. We do not like dead air.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> jump right in there, okay. ladies.
2: All right, I'll, I'll jump in. This is Tiffany. I, uh, in in the roles that I've played, I've been able to help on a more individual basis. Um, times when I've had interns, when I was able to allow them to um, grow experience and uh, expand beyond what they already knew and practice some new things that help build resume that helped build experience that helped build that next step to to work to the to the career Um, even yesterday having a conversation with someone in my office who wanted to explore new uh, career and interest options and I think we're able to make some changes to the job description that will allow that growth for her so it's very exciting to be it's sometimes it's small steps sometimes it's bigger steps but just to see someone light up when they can see something is going to happen that's positive for their future, and it's exciting to be a part of that.
3: Um, as far as like my program, leading this is Latanya, um, leading ladies goes. Um, what we do is we try to collaborate and partner with as many in the, as many women. Um, or young girls as possible and so we allow for different individuals to come in and actually do workshops and meet the girls and talk to them and whatever they feel like their gift is we try to allow for them to operate in their gift with the program.
4: And this is, excuse me, this is Laura and um, the young ladies that I've worked with previously in um, transitional housing Um, I always tell them to soul search um, because uh, my position might look good to you or someone else's position. That's not necessarily what you were created for. We are all given special talents. And so examine what it is that you feel the most passionate about and that's where it's not going to be like work for you and um, then you know you have to get that spiritual connection with God in order to be able to hear him and follow the direction of what he has created for you for because he already knows we just have to learn how to follow his steps
5: and uh, this is Angie Ward as a seminary professor I work in a largely um, male driven environment and so um, when I do have women in my classroom um, it you know it's inspiring to them often just to see someone who's in in ministry and teaching at that level and uh in that way and so um I have a lot of women coming to me afterwards after class asking for you know individual mentoring and and just asking for my perspective and experience and and able to share that with them
1: This is a hugely important idea that we actually share what we already have with somebody else. And I wanted to follow up on one of the comments that you all made here about uh, the idea of being created for something, and that we aren't necessarily uh, matching up with what we see around us uh, with what we expect our lives will be. Let's kind of fill that out a little bit. Talk about uh, the created for emphasis, how uh, we are all different and even when we are mentoring uh, other women or maybe younger women uh, that we have uh, an emphasis I think maybe to say you know the whole world is open to you there's a whole lot of difference uh, in us God has created us for different ways just kind of play off that idea of what we're created to do and how we're so different from each other.
4: Well I know this is Laura I know for myself I always wanted to have that title and be in that leadership role, and um, and as I um, grew my career and um, I was able to meet those um, levels that I thought that I felt that I want, I really was not happy, and um, I so I did the job, but I knew there there was a desire, there was a yearning to do something else and but I didn't know exactly what it was but I did pray about it all the time I said I know that I was created for something more than what I'm doing even though my title was wonderful and my family was excited for me I was not internally excited and it was not until an accident changed my whole um, work life and I had to uh, be on workers comp for a minute and I so I asked my pastor at the church is there something I can do for two weeks to uh, earn extra money for my daughter's graduation and he said yes you know how to do those books you manage medical offices come over here and uh, get the books together at the shelter the shelter. I'm not working at the shelter. You know, we went as parishioners and cleaned up when he asked, but I said, okay, two weeks, that's all I'm going to (laughs) do, and um, I wasn't giving up my title as director anywhere, and so um, two weeks ended up being five years, and Mm -hmm. um, I never felt such a a completeness, um, a happiness, and this is where I belong, and I loved my homeless people, I did. I just could not leave from there. And uh, I actually ended up working with a doctor on the street providing services to homeless pregnant women. And I, that was just my life. That was just where I was and My mom could not believe that I had given up my title um, for this. But, you know, I've never stopped working with the homeless. Um, that is just just been me. I mean, that's me. That's how I found out what I was uh, designed for, I'll say. I left here and went to Kentucky and worked uh, with unmedicated homeless persons on the street. So uh, I just totally believe that if, you pray, if you're praying and you're listening and you got that connection, God will get you to what he has designed you to be.
3: I truly agree with that. I, I believe that everybody is born with a grace. And your grace is your gift. And that gift looks different on everybody and in everybody, and the, that gift looks different <laughs> um, in everybody. One of the things that I've learned is, and one of the things I try to work with, with our young ladies on and just people who I come in contact with is to build that relationship with God because not everybody has that relationship. But once you build that relationship with God, then learn how to sit and, be, and listen. Because if you're still enough and you pray enough, when you pray hard i'm not gonna say pray hard enough but if you pray and your relationship is where it needs to be god will reveal to you those things and it looks differently on everybody and i think so many times we run into people who see someone else doing something and they're like i I can do what she's doing i can do that and not realizing that whatever your gift is you find out what your gift is and you tap into that gift because you can fully operate in your gift and see the your harvest being sown Mm -hmm. you know reaping with that gift and so many times you know for me it took for me years of of going through a whole lot of different things in order for me to get to the place now where I completely listen I completely listen to God so when he speaks I'm like I really don't want to do this (laughs) but I guess I gotta do it so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna do it Mm -hmm. and one of the things that God is really working with me on right now is just my transparency with everything that I go through and everything that I do because by me going different places and talking to different people and and my gift is shown just by conversation sometimes exactly so
5: Tanya uh, this is Angie, you bring up such a good point about just um, listening to God and learning to hear that voice because I think um, we as women leaders, we have so many voices telling us who we should be and do, and um, some of those are internal as far as kind of guilt and and shame and and um, expectations we put on ourselves, but there's so many from uh, the world as well, and so to really focus on on who God has gifted or grace you to be, and what he is calling you to be is such an important thing, I think, for women to really, um, uh, I guess, um, come to grips with and claim and, and um, own that.
1: I have to ask this question because, you know, you're all kind of uh, hitting on some of the same points here, and that is that our culture is really dr- uh, driving us in some way or another, either whether it be toward our titles or the expectations that people have of us, or kinds of pressures that we feel from one agency or one group or one individual and another. Speak to that issue of cultural pressures and the kinds of uh, things that you're dealing with uh, on a Christian level from a woman's perspective that would help us to understand how you deal with that. How do you combat that cultural influence?
3: I think we're all at times in a position to conform. And we're forced at times to conform, but I think when it comes to your Christian values and who you are and your relationship with God, you have to stand firm and strong on that, because we live in a world where they tell us to do something different. We, our peers, are tell us to do something different, and inner self at times tells us to do something different because sometimes different looks better, different looks good. Um, but I think for you to for you to stand strong on your belief. Excuse me. For you to stand strong on your belief in who you are As you do that You learn more of your truth But you also learn more of your worth And when you learn more of your worth That's when God will position you To do different things And sometimes those things are uncomfortable Because God positions me to do a lot of uncomfortable stuff And I'm just like why (laughs) But it allows for me to grow Because he knows where I've been And he also knows where I'm going So I have to trust that in the process because it, it always sometimes everything looks good but it's not always good. So
4: and this is Laura. Um I think for myself I um, it working in not for profit uh you, you really have to be uh, very cautious on speaking of anything biblical. Um especially if uh the individual you're under is not necessarily um connected in that manner so I um, found it difficult because you could not really say, "Can I pray for you?" Um, even though you might have felt that in your heart, um, you had to hold that back because then you would be in trouble because <laughs> of the grant and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but I want to pray for everybody. So, I you know I don't have to do it verbally. I can do it up under my breath. You know, for you, you don't have to know that I'm praying for you, but. Um, So I don't like to be challenged or held back, I guess, held back from being able to speak um, what I believe uh, biblically. And, and, you know, I always think, remember what my grandmother used to say that um, God said, if you um, don't recognize me um, or my son, then... You know he's not really recognizing us and i always want to be under god's wing under his protection so anytime i get the opportunity i do that so not in a leadership role now i always tell my president now whether you want it or not i'm praying for you (laughs) this
2: is tiffany and it's been an interesting thing for the past three years to work for the ymca because ymca stands for young men's christian association and here in Indianapolis, our association of 12 Ys across the city are kind of leading the charge to, uh, as the phrase goes, bring the sea back to the YMCA. And that's very exciting. Uh, Tuesday mornings, our office has devotions. It's totally voluntary. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we have, his title is Director of Christian Emphasis, but he's our chaplain. He prayed for me for this, for this radio program before I came in this morning, awesome. and I thought, how exciting uh, to be a part of that. And uh, in, in prior work, uh, prior work, I was freelance. And so that I didn't have that pressure, mm-hmm. uh, but in, before that other nonprofits, I don't know that I was, I was, I would try to figure out how to be a person of faith, but I was still very young in my faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was more, uh, trying to act in a way that was appropriate. I think that's as far as mm-hmm. I got, mm-hmm. but as I grew in my faith, um, uh, to the point this morning, whether I work for the Y that has the word Christian in the title or not, now it is hand on the laptop when I get in the office, hand on the paperwork, Lord to your glory. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And, have, and, and request the spirit move as the spirit would have me move. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I could pray that regardless of whether my organization has the word Christian in it or not.
0: Interesting. No, uh, you hit on something about young, and I've been listening to what we're supposed to be imparting in our young ladies, and when you talk about young Christians, that is the most vulnerable time, I think, uh, when we're trying to get young people to understand patience. We're trying to get them to understand their design, because they're so influenced by outside media, uh, the things that are faddish, you know, that, that seems to be what guides our young people. So, uh, before we take this break, I want to just ask the question, how do we without being overbearing with our Christian beliefs in part because much of what we do at Carminius is we're not teaching religion we're teaching principles of living and if you do that then they can decide I think on the religious so how do we knowing and intentionally going to put some Christian faith and belief in young people without being across the line I think as we would call it that I mean basically when we get into the workplace where is that line where where is that that level of just like you said Lord you know I'm I'm a Jesus that's probably why I work for myself because I can talk about Jesus all day long and really don't care uh, about what someone else thinks but we all have to do you know Do that when we're working with other organizations. So, we're going to take a break and come back and find this question out. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute. The ladies are in the house. I'm quiet today. RadioNext.tv. we are live, Warping Wolf Radio, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, and we have a house full of wisdom. Uh, these ladies are in here putting it down as far as giving us some information on uh, women, Christian women in the position of power and leadership, and it uh, must be a challenge. I just, you know, I'm going to let you ladies go here in just a second, but I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, the gap in the wage scale. Uh, for For women versus men doing the same job, and I was appalled in in this conversation with my brother i, I must tell you uh, <laughs> he didn 't get it he just didn 't get it uh, and hopefully before the conversations over today, we can talk about some of those things that systemically are are have been just you know uh, daggering women for years on top of years but uh, we 're glad you're in studio today, uh Dr. Mark get back at it.
1: Well, let's not even waste any time. Let's just jump right into the issue of salary and wage and uh, how women have been mistreated and unjustly uh, kept down, as it were, uh, in the wage issues. Uh, let's talk about that. Ladies, why don't you just give us an overview of maybe what you've seen in this in your own experiences and then your response to this uh, from a biblical vantage point.
4: For This is Laura. For me, um, as uh an african American woman, um, I still even found that my salary was much less than uh, the male counterparts, but then even also a white female mm. um, and maybe I had more education, maybe I had more experience, but I still didn't get equal the dollar and it was always a struggle to get up to that uh, amount uh, or even close to it most of the time so Biblically, you know, God provides. So I made it through it, but um, Mm -hmm. I still felt um, that um, I wasn't being treated fair and equally uh, on many aspects of being a female and African-American at the same time. I had to work harder, um, had to stay longer, but I always got the less dollar. Mm And
3: that's still today. So,
2: I just recall when I started working in, in the 80s. It's been a while, this is Tiffany. And I remember a comment from um, a, a gentleman about my, it would have been about my dad's age, and talking about his hiring practice so that he, at that time, was hesitant in hiring women in, in, his, in that professional field that he was in, in the sciences, because they might get all trained and then go have a baby and leave. Exactly, I remember that, yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> And in, this, there, in some ways, I still don't know what to say to that, because I went on and, and to my own career and had two babies and still worked, and uh, my maternity leave was the first in the organization I was working for at the time. Um, really didn't know quite what to do with someone mm-hmm. who was gonna take six whole weeks off. And boy, I'll tell you, that wasn't enough, but there it was, um, because in, in, I was married at the time, and I was the one that had to work with the insurance. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, that the concept of having the option of staying home I don't think was.
4: I remember, Tiffany, you brought to my remembrance, um, probably back in the 80's too, <laughs> um, being interviewed for jobs and, and the question would be in there, how many children do you have? Do you plan to have any more children? I'm so glad they've taken that away, mm-hmm. um, but they've done it, they have a strategic way of asking these questions. I took master's in organizational management with human resources and so one of the questions um, we can't ask those questions anymore but what you do is you get the individual comfortable get to talking and they don't realize that they're sharing already about their children and you didn't ask the question so um, they're getting out of you what it is that they really want to know in a roundabout way so
1: (laughs) this you know let me just say because y'all are being so nice up here. <laughs> let, let me not be nice for a moment. This is, this is the kind of thing that just foments this rage in me. Um, for those of you who have been listening to this show for a long time, you know that I'm much more like Timothy than Titus. I'm the guy who was like his grandmother and like his mom, uh, much more than Titus, who was very straightforward. Just read those books, Titus and Timothy, you'll get the general sense of this. So I have this real uh, concern and uh, blazing um, injustice issue as it relates to women, and to have somebody ask those kinds of questions, whether it be in a sideways kind of way, innuendo, whatever, uh, is just not right. Beyond that, if we would just think of each other as simple human beings and uh, treat each other uh, as each person being made in God's image, and understand that the issue of equality comes out of the image of God, how much more, then, would we be taken care of and take care of others? Thank you very much. I hope all the business leaders and male leaders in various organizations are listening to this, and if not, I will podcast it and clip it later. <laughs> so there you go. All right.
4: So any other
1: thoughts on this, ladies, in terms of salary or comments about that?
4: Well, I still struggle to this day um, with the salary um but you know i've I've learned to um, as I said, depend on God um and He has uh supplied all of my needs um and certainly, yes, my family would love to have had that increase just as equal as the others, but um I think uh just teaching the biblical part of it um, and uh, that you know I am where I am at because this is where God said for me to be at this time it's not about the dollar for God because he is the master of everything so there's nothing that has not been provided for in my family but it's still a struggle it still hurts I still have the same student loans as everybody else does Mm -hmm. Um, and so um, you know the challenge just to make ends meet um, is, is is a struggle all the time, especially for single women, Yes, Um, and sometimes in this day and age, um, the husband still is not even making in their positions. I work with uh, men a lot in one of our programs, and, you know, the education-wise, they're held back, they're held back because of criminal history, so um, the family struggles, the family struggles, so I have a master's, but I don't get paid master's level.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I think, this is Angie, uh, for a lot of women uh, that I know of have talked with, it goes actually before even the issue of salary, just to the question of opportunity, and so um, there's a lot of uh, women I know who would, uh, and especially in the church, they would love to have a role, and so to them, salary doesn't matter as much because they're fighting first for the opportunity to even have a position and a role, and so, um, but I think it creates kind of a scarcity mindset of, um, well there is a scarcity of opportunity and so then it also leads to okay well I'll take whatever you give me just to have a chance because you're, you'll do anything just to have that opportunity so I see that even a step before the salary a lot of times.
0: You know Mark I was just sitting listening and we're talking about the different fractures that go on inside the the, the group of women this dynamic called ladies. Um, my question would be if we all we all come together as a group of women and you know you women come together and say okay we've got a movement with all the fractures how do you address a particular movement because i mean we've got we've got so many things that are discriminating against women that if you came together as a group which would be the primary focus on the, what we need help with because we Many got money. We got, I mean, we got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. And so, so how do we make sure if there is a movement with women that all of those concerns are addressed and the prioritizing of those, the sense of urgency, so to speak, for those issues are are put together in that group? Because that could be a fracture inside the group itself. I'm just just curious by listening.
4: Well, for some, I mean, for women, sometimes there's the uh, challenge of who's going to be in charge. Um, Women, um, egos sometimes get in the way and... um,
0: (laughs) Well, welcome into our world.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they don't want to reach back and let someone else uh, come and learn from me, Um, step over and let me and let someone else have the mic um, and someone else might have input. So that, I guess women will ha- would have to uh, <laughs> learn to take it down a little bit and say we're all equal. This, everything of, that affects a female affects us all. And so we're in this together and we all have a voice. Now getting to that point it is the stable. hard part. Mm-hmm. And so if we could all have a voice in it, then yeah, we can conquer the world. As the song says, women can conquer the world.
3: <laughs> we light up the universe. But I I, just piggyback off of what you just said, I definitely agree with that. But the thing about, like you were just saying, we have an issue, especially African-American women, have an issue with working together. I can only speak for African-American women because I'm an African-American woman. Um, But we have a huge issue with um, working together. Because I work with young girls, my biggest thing is we work with all different races, we work with all different religions, we work with everybody. And so I want these young ladies to see people who look just like them in areas and, and employment and entrepreneurs and all of those things in those positions that look just like them. The issue that I've run into um, is that everybody, again, going back to your gift, everybody don't necessarily have that gift. And some people are just doing stuff just to say, I'm, I'm doing it. I want my name on something, and I'm doing it. With our program, like I said, if when I run into people, if they say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about doing this, I really... Um, I can set you up a date. When do you want to come and talk to them? You want to come and talk? You want to do a workshop? What, what, what do you want to do? Um, but the issue is, is that it becomes a competition. Like I'm competing. If you're my sister, I don't have to compete with you. Rather, whatever color you are, I don't have to compete with you because I sincerely want you to come and work with these young ladies. Right. I want to partner with you because it's not about leading ladies' name being on anything. Our name don't even have to be on nothing if that's the case. Just come and so those season to these girls but so many times we run into individuals and I know for me it's been a huge struggle with working with other organizations. Um, We've been completely successful with that so let me just say that because I'm a networking guru but we've been really good with um, that aspect of it but the other people who are working in these communities as well struggle with working together because they cannot get them out the way. I tell people all the time, our name don't have to be on nothing because we know what we're here for. We know what our purpose is. We know who we're serving. And it don't have nothing to do with us.
4: Okay. I, I, uh, <laughs> I was in a uh, position in, in, I'll say, in Kentucky um, and um, as director and then my um, CEO that was over me, she told me that she felt intimidated by me and so my position was eliminated Um, really hurt me I really Mm. loved the job that I had and I told her I did not want her position if I wanted her position I could apply for it because I was here before she was but I was very content in what I was doing and uh, what I did leave her with when I uh, when I left which you brought to my uh, mind is about the name recognition. Um, A lot of women have to have that name recognition. And I told her, I said, you know, you had a great team surrounded around you. um, And so think about Henry Ford. He probably couldn't even change a tire. But he had good people surrounded around him. They built this car, and guess what? At the end of the name, at the end of the day, his name is on the car. Ford. His name is still on the car. We don't know those people. So the goal should be for anyone in that leadership is to hire good people, surround yourself with them, let them do the work. Your name is still going to be on there, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, um, but we can't give that piece up. And if they hire you, then there's a swarming over you. Is she doing right? What's she doing? Is she trying to get my job? You know, and so you know that that should not. We should not have that, and um, we should work together and lift up each other spiritually and in our career. Should not be a battlefield for the careers.
1: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. This sounds very much like sin. So uh, you know, <laughs> could, it, could we could we just be so bold as to say, you know. We really have the problem, and the problem isn't others. The problem is us. Mm -hmm. And so if if we get uh, all of the uh, administration, all of the folks who are signing the checks to realize, hey, we're all made in God's image, we're all equal in that sense, we all ought to have the equal pay, and at the same time recognize that we have improper motivations and intentions of heart because of our own sinfulness, repent of those things, and then move on from that, and work as a team. Team. Hello. <laughs> right. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, and, and understand that the most important thing any administrator can do is hire the best people and then get out of Definitely. their way. Thank you very much. Any other comments on this? One? Amen,
2: brother. You're
0: so yeah, you're amen. so idealistic, brother. Uh, but but no, the beauty the beauty of what we do here in the dichotomy. I was just looking in the room at this dichotomy we have going. Black and white, brother, about the same age. We've got two white females about the same age, two sisters in here, you know, close to the same age. I ain't getting in, I don't want to get in trouble. But but the the thing that I would love to ask. Uh, tiffany and the thing that i would love to ask angie is uh when you listen to this is this even relevant when when you're when you're dealing in a day-to-day do you even understand what they're dealing with because there is a level where women are going through some angst and that's kind of why i threw that out how do we how do we prioritize what the issues really are because african-american women are dealing with a whole nother set most times within that set Right. Of of discrimination and and so when I was just sitting there listening I was watching you and the and it's like. I mean, you know, I deal with some of this, but I don't deal with all of this. And, and, and I understand what Latanya is talking about because trying to work together in a community that is disenfranchised is so hard. And what we're dealing with, Latanya, just to let you know, is this lack of ownership. We've, we've, never, we've never as a culture been given a lot of time to be the owner of something. And the, Look at the usher boards at your church. Look at the, the choir director at the church. You want to go into a church and see the most fragmented system? Them in the world, go watch the people there to serve Jesus, and watch what happens when they get a little bit of ownership mm-hmm. over oh, that exactly. that titled exactly. position. Exactly. It's a mess. That's why
3: I have to, most people don't. To and church. so,
0: so no. even in the conversation that Tiffany and I were having about capacity building, we have to teach people how to be owners of mm-hmm. almost everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and when you start getting self identity in the in the midst of this conversation, that's where we're talking. That's where we're going, and uh, so just to, just I see you pulling up
5: I am this is Angie yeah that's a great question and um so and boy complex answer so I work in church circles and it um so do do I experience I experience um I'm a a, a white female in a white male driven environment mm. so I'm um a little down the food chain but I'm not as down the food chain and I know that I do not have the same systemic um, issues that I have to deal with and fight on a day-to-day basis. Um, I know that. And and it, and it grieves me greatly that the system, as far as overall church ecosystem I'm a part of, has contributed to that um, uh, oppression to use, I mean, that's what it has so, been. Issues. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, the local church should be the hope of the world and we should be leading the charge on... Um, you know, uh, the Lord's Prayer um, on, on, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And so what are things going to look like in heaven? And are we working to create that equality and equal footing? And um, so those are some of my initial thoughts, I guess, to your question. This is Tiffany. I I think that...
2: um, it's, it's been interesting, again working with the Y, this, uh, my my very first work experience was not a diverse work experience, um, there were women in leadership but not senior leadership, and uh, then again as, as a freelancer, um, I, that was where I was able to diversify in the kinds of communities I was starting to serve and got my eyes opened a bit more. As a child who grew up in all parts of suburban Indianapolis, I've lived in about seven or eight different places in the city, and but always suburban. And, uh, but I always almost always worked downtown. So there was an exposure, but not enough. And I think that's one thing I enjoy about now with the Y where I am in pretty much every community in the city, uh, you know, we're throughout. And I get a chance to work alongside more diversity than I've ever worked alongside. And I get to hear and listen and enjoy and pray for. And and, um, just to know where we are, Um, where we are in God, just beautiful creatures, and who we can work together and live together. And and, and H.B., to your point about the capacity building, uh, not only to understand that people need to develop that growth, but that they're capable of it. Mm -hmm. I think that encouragement, that encouragement that they are capable, they are gifted by God in, in multiple ways, and let's pull that out, and let's see you have some success, some victory in those capabilities and those gifts and and watch watch it flourish.
3: And I just want to say really quick, thank you all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But moving forward, if you can also share that with your peers, Mm -hmm. because I work right now and my experience right now um, is I I work with individuals who have not been in a diverse situation. And Mm -hmm. so because of what they see on TV and not every black woman acts as if what they see on TV Mm -hmm. and so if I'm speaking on something and I'm passionate about it then I become the angry black woman exactly Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my white counterpart says something it's just oh well they're just talking Mm -hmm. oh it's me and we're saying the same thing same same level same tone same same everything with the same passion and drive but it becomes you're the angry black woman. Exactly. And
0: you're just speaking. <laughs> wow. I right. think that's a good time. <laughs> <a little laughs> <break. Wow. laughs> Miss latanya we're gonna take a break on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good no, it's a <laughs> good time <laughs> and it is time for us <laughs> to take a break. But but these are the type of candid <laughs> conversations that uh the Comenius Institute and Warp and Wolf Radio is designed <laughs> to be. And one of the things that you've said uh so eloquently, Tiffany, is the fact that when you go out and meet people and discover that Man, people are people are people. If you give a chance self, a self a chance to know them, much as Mark said that he's trying to do with um, bringing some of the pastors from the suburbs down into the city churches and having lunch and meeting one another. And if we do that. A lot of the myths and stereotypes just get out of the way so quick. You find out that we're so much more alike than we're not alike, as Maya Angelou would say, that uh, we need to work on that. We're going to come right back. Candid conversation. I am loving these ladies in here today, getting some lessons learned. Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site.
1: Uh, You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio. You hear us every Wednesday from 10 until noon on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. I'm here with my brother H.B. Bell and some lovely ladies who are giving us some great instruction on how to think about leadership in their realm of leadership as women. And we wanted to come back to something that was was really kind of growing out of the conversation just before we took a break, which is the idea of listening, the power of listening. How does listening uh, demonstrate leadership to the groups that you are working with? How does listening demonstrate leadership to your groups?
5: Well, so this is Angie, and um, we were just uh, talking at, during these breaks, and um, you know, leadership, we are, the four of us here are leaders in some sort of position or title, but we are really first and foremost, all of us leaders by our example, and our influence, and our personal relationships, right. and and there's this, um, Tend to view tendency to view leadership as um, it's all about telling and directing and bossing and that type of thing. And really good leaders should first and foremost be good listeners. And that's um, what I'm appreciating about the breaks here in this and this conversation here is just the chance to listen and to learn. And uh, because if you aren't learning and listening, you're not going to be a good leader and and have that influence. And so um, thank you, HB, for what we're doing and and Mark here and for the opportunity to learn here um, from my sisters, learn their perspective and to view each other as, um, you know, from shared humanity first, not an other, um, not you're you're an African-American female or, you know, or a, a Caucasian woman or man or Ph.D. or whatever, but just you know, humanity to humanity connect in that level. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is the essence of leadership, really, is not that top-down. Top it's that getting to know people and that personal relationship and influence.
4: And listening, I, I'm glad you said that because I, it took me a long time to learn that, to, to listen. Um, and But in the trainings that I do now for organizations and individuals um, to recognize the signs and symptoms of uh, mental health, um, that's one of the key things that we teach in there is to listen listen and listen with your eyes and listen with your ears not listen while you're on your telephone and doing all these other things are um, as we used to as I'm guilty as a supervisor. Someone would come in to talk to me, and I would say, yeah, come on, and I kept on writing. Um, So I really wasn't giving them an undivided attention. I wasn't really listening. I'm writing. Um, I'm not looking at you, so I'm not really giving you what you need. Um, God has created every part of our body for something, and our eyes, I feel like it's the window to the soul, and if I look at you, if I look in your eyes, I can feel your hurt. I can feel your happiness. I can feel you. I can know more about you, but we've lost that, um, and we don't use our ears to listen Uh uh-huh uh-huh we you know we don't and um, there's a commercial that comes on now where the uh, mom is getting ready to sit down to dinner and all the kids and the dad is on the cell phone but she has a button on her cell phone where she can push it and everybody's phones are cut off so Mm. now you have to listen to me and now we have to look and talk and so listening is, is you can't validate that enough
3: I've learned that you have to listen in order for and you have to hear exactly what it is that is being conveyed to you and being spoken to you so that you can understand that person, the situation what is going on Um, but I also, for me listening has been growing because I have mentors and even as a leader I still have those mentors and I still seek mentors so therefore I can still learn because I have to be, in order for me to to lead I have to be able to follow at some point to get to where I want to be my
2: career. So. I remember uh, listening to um, a lecture some years ago it was a women's church retreat and there was a concept about um, being more open and more available and there the way it was initially described me the list person and the structured since grants are my world everything is structure I was listening to it from a structured perspective and initially I received that as one more thing to add to my to-do list and so the, I was so grateful for the Q&A because I got to ask, how do I prevent this from this, this being a, around and available and teaching and sharing? How do I avoid this being a to-do list item? And her answer, which I, is wise and, I'm, and I still try to practice that as a person of structure, uh, is just to be have the schedule, have the time that is not so overbooked that when the moment presents itself when the spirit opens up that moment you can take it. Exactly. I thought exactly. that I can um, now the structure person here I can structure my life where it's not overstructured. does that make sense? Yeah unstructure the structure yeah. and uh, that has helped just so that I can get to know people and get to know their story better and You just, everyone is so much more beautiful when you have that moment to get to know some story and where you can, if you're praying for them or just get to know them a bit better, um, that world just improves so much more.
1: You know, it it sure seems as I'm listening to all of your comments and uh, the questions and the listening and all of those good things, but now let's take this to the next level because when we're listening to somebody else, Tiffany, you just hit on a very important point and that is we are constantly interpreting other people's perspectives and words. So talk about the implications for you as women in leadership, not only of what you have to do in terms of interpreting other people's perspectives and points of view, but how do you then interpret other people's uh, ideas and statements and how does that figure into leadership? How does interpretation of others figure into leadership?
5: Uh, this is Angie. I'll I'll uh, take a stab at that. Um, so I think it's important first and foremost to just recognize our own assumptions and biases that we bring into any interaction or conversation. Um, this, uh, my one of my focuses is on organizational culture, and and so a group or organization takes on uh, a, a shared assumptions that that to others who act and um, have different assumptions um, they their actions would seem unthinkable to us because of our assumption that we bring in. And so we're so quick to go, well, that's wrong, or they shouldn't do that, or I wouldn't do it that way, but without recognizing that's because we come with from a different set of assumptions about something that have been shaped by so many different factors, our, our upbringing, our experience, what's been rewarded or punished and that type of thing. And so so, um, just taking a critical look at your own um, biases and and assumptions is one of the first steps to be able to really to listen to others openly and not feel threatened by that and to to hear others perspectives
3: well I must speak from a that's really good <laughs> I must speak from a different perspective as a child growing up who did not ever have anyone to listen to um, to listen to me so I did a whole bunch of stuff that I shouldn't have done I was the fighter I was the bully I was bullied Um, a lot of different things took place because I was hurting from a lot of different things but I didn't have anyone to listen to me. Hmm. So when when I'm working with these young girls and they're coming to me and they're speaking to me, I fully listen to them. I don't interpret it any other way. If I speak it right back to them, everything they say to me, I listen and I hear everything that they're saying so that I can repeat it back to them. And then I ask them, I have them. We talk. Back and forth for a good minute, and then I have them convey to me what it is they want me to fully get out of that conversation, so therefore i 'm not assuming i 'm not interpreting, but I am getting exactly what it is that they want me to get at that moment and at that time
4: this is Laura um being a um, more seasoned individual <laughs> and, and working Go with the there, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being um, working with uh, a lot of young people um and used use the word assumption and so i've learned that i could not assume or make my own assumption as to what their terminology meant number one because um, they talk in a whole different language and um, so i find that i had to repeat uh, or ask them so what i hear you saying um, uh, or help me understand what you said um, because if i didn't i could walk away with my own assumption and be totally wrong and not help them in any kind of way, they may not feel um, that validated um, because I did not inquire, and what I responded with was totally off the mark from what they meant. So um, again, there's that listening and just not assuming what a person is feeling or meaning, um, and being able to ask those questions. But you have to get to a comfort level with yourself um, and be able to it, to shut down your own brain and thinking about all the other things that you need to do or have to do and be able to listen to what that person's saying and that's a hard skill to learn is to stop your time your moment in time and give them give them all that time Um, so it's very critical not even just for young people but um, my grandson lived with me for seven years and um, I said I want this young man to be a different young man than what my son turned out to be of course after a certain age, kids make their own choices, and um, I didn 't do much different with my grandson than I did with my son other than I listened and um, Sometimes I did not like what he said or how he said it, but I gave him the opportunity to, to speak that and so and we talked about God and we talked about how God plays a role in your life and um, the things that you need and the things that you want, He already has them. You talk to Him about those things. Until this day, I'm so honored um, that my grandson calls me from college. He goes to a Christian college in Kentucky, but he calls me um, and asks me to pray for them before the football game. I said, "Me?" Mm. Um, he called me the other day. Uh, one of his players, one of the players' uh, mom suffered a heart attack, and he said, "Granny, will you call him tonight and pray for him?" And I was just so honored that he saw that in me. Um, you know, he's on a Christian campus. There's pastors, there's people, there's a church on their campus, um, but he, that he felt that in me, that I could do that for them. All and right. and so sometimes I say, I don't mind to, but I would really love to hear you pray.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Right. So, So leadership in family or work or the community is, much more about relationship than I think the word leadership or leadership institute you know these different things that are to teach leadership there's so much more about relationship at at least that's for me a lesson Mm -hmm. than than I think I would have defined it as before
5: yeah there's such a tension I think between um uh you know, that listening versus doing kind of thing, and leaders are expected or wired often to be doers, you know, and we, we see a need, we want to meet it, we want to get it done, yeah. but, um, and which is an important part of that influence, but um, listening is just such a huge part, and like you said, un, unstructuring, mm-hmm. you know, the structure, mm-hmm. and, and really actually creating open space to mm-hmm. to listen to what God's telling you, to listen to others, to listen to just what might be going on inside yourself um, is such an important uh, component to effective leadership
0: well we're going to take a break we're halfway home and these ladies are putting it in today i'm i'm impressed number one and then honored to be in a room with um some distinguished ladies in the house and uh, we're going to go on break and ask this question dr mark posed in his questions born or taught leaders I know I was born to be one. I don't know what you guys think, and I'm going to tell you why, and then you guys figure it out for yourself. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. RadioNex.tv, TV. We are live on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark, take the microphone, man. I'm, I'm just caught up and overwhelmed. You know, I, I have this, you know, this crazy thing when there's just too many women in the room. I don't even know how to act. And I mean, oh, I've got some word. dynamite oh, women in here today, man. I'm definitely taking over the
1: microphone with that kind of comment. Oof. Here we go. So, uh, just before we went uh, to break, uh, you did ask a question. Uh, I asked a question, and that was: Are leaders born or are they made? And I, my compatriot to my right, Angie, popped up and said, I want to deal with that. So I'm really anxious <laughs> to hear what angie got to say about this. And we'll go around the table. Y'all have something to say about this one. This is an important one.
5: So, are leaders born or made? My short answer is yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, did you want more? <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> yeah. uh,
5: so, I, I do think, um, you know, in what uh, you know, experience and stuff, I, there are people who are born leaders. Like HB, you're saying, you know, you, you, You were born it. You didn't. Nobody. You didn't recognize it or what it was until later. But you said, "I've been doing this all my life." You know. And so there's, there are uh, people who were born with natural leadership gifts. As girls are often called bossy, Mm -hmm. on the playground. Um, But um, uh, you know, they tend to. They walk in a room and tend to take charge or be given authority. They just buy something, you know, that, who they are. So there is a, a gifting to component to it, um, and some people have more or less of that that gifting, I think. So the, the born piece. But then are they made? Uh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of skill component to it um, that can be... Um, developed and taught and so if somebody say is a naturally born you know their maximum capacity as a leader is an eight out of ten and they're you know they are four but their capacity is eight well you can learn and grow to to get to be that eight but you could have somebody else who and they may not they may just stop at a five because they're not willing to learn and grow even though they have a lot of capacity or they rely on talent for so long and and never develop the inner person to carry them beyond you know first couple failures Um, but then you might have somebody who's a whose maximum is a six um, and they started as a two or three but they work hard and they are maximizing that and so again there's I think it's a born or made and then there's an art component to it of of uh, you know leadership there's a there's a gift there's a skill portion portion of it and then there's an art portion which is comes with wisdom of of knowing how and when to apply that gift and that skill in the right measurement and the right timing and so that's my perspective on the answer to that question great answer all right amen
2: that's all I got to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. Well, and, and into that vein, to talk talking about the art of it. There's I've never I've never seen science and art separate. It's there's an art to science and a science to art. And so in leadership and and the the nature versus nurture argument, I've had multiple conversations with people, and some are on one side or the other. And I'm I i do not know how it can't I don't know how it can't be both. I don't. You have a nature. How is it nurtured? Uh, that's that's always, I've never been able to go beyond that. So, yes, I, I totally, I, I can't add any more than that to what you said, Angie. Yes.
4: And I would say born, um, but then, again, taught, um, because um, God creates us all, so what he has destined for us is already within us. Um, so the seeds have to be planted and watered and nurtured, similar to what you were saying, Angie, and we have to... Um, be uh, geared in that way because as HB had said earlier that um, his coach would keep telling him no you have the leadership skills and he kept saying no and so I felt the same way as myself but then um, the leadership that I was looking to be in maybe that director or whatever is not really where um, God wanted me to be at I, I he wanted me to be in a leadership role but not at that level um, the, the I think the most um, Um, important role that I've ever had was working with the young girls in uh, transitional housing and being able to uh, lead by design um, and talk with them and through working with them I think it kind of helped me learn who I was and what I needed to be so it was taught. My um, uncle, um, I used to watch him, Um, he was the first black police captain here and didn't matter who you was Um, if he was talking to a homeless person uh, and you walked up he said hold on I'm talking to this young man right here the respect was whomever he was talking with so I learned that from him and so I think that's where I found my peace and who I was when I was working with homeless people and so one of the young ladies in my last transitional housing program um, I met her um, a homeless pregnant girl and um, the short of the long story is she is now an executive director um, for a major company and she found me on Facebook and she said, I just wanted to tell you that I am where I'm at today because of you. She's an African-American girl. I said, I didn't do anything. I said, you said you hated me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she said, but you didn't know I was watching you the whole time. So people yes. are, people behind us, beside us, around us, is, is watching us all the time. So there's the taut part. So I don't know what she saw in me that made her want to do that and aspire to who she is now, but I'm glad it was something good. She didn't tell me what it was, but... Um, and I'm just honored that I was able to lead somebody else to the next level of their lives
5: yeah it's so important you know how do you're defining leadership because a lot of times we think of it as the person at top of the org chart you know and, and um, overseeing that and and um, you know some people are more naturally uh, Skill that you know that level, organizational, those types of things, big picture. But but at its core, leadership is that influence. And so you know, it was she was watching you. It wasn't about what you said in your position necessarily. And. And um, so all of us have influence of some sort. We have some circle of influence, whether that's at home uh, with family members or children or coworkers or influence on our supervisors or those underneath us or some of us, you know, some have been giving a more broad influence or, or over a large, <laughs> larger circle. But, um, you know, if we look at it as influence and how are we teaching the taught, taught. piece, People to steward the influence that they've been given, even if they don't view themselves as I'm a natural gifted leader. Exactly.
4: And we have to, I think, for me, I had to stop and think, am I serving my career or am I serving God? And when I decided that I was not going to serve the career, that I was going to serve God, then my prayer every day um, before I left out and throughout the day is creating within me God a dwelling place for your son Jesus Christ because if he is there the dark and the light can't stay in the same place Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to be nasty and I'm not going to be rude to you um, if I'm carrying Jesus within me Mm. and whoever comes in my space let me know what it is that they need lead me
2: guide me. Mm. Amen.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm amazed Uh, no because the answers are so candid but I do have one more question Um, the leadership roles that you have in your workplace do you or can you manage that when you are not in that environment uh i know sometimes this demonstrative personality i can't turn him off when i mm-hmm. go into other areas yeah. and you know he might not be welcome in other areas where this isn't needed uh how, how do you find yourself dealing with family and atmospheres that aren't in the profession that you chose to be the leader in is i mean is there some resemblance of that that takes place Come on with me, Tiffany.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, here I am with the mic. I, I, I think I can. I, over time, I have been able to, I think, put put that aside. And especially now, I have two daughters, and they're now both grown. And to, sit, to just had a conversation with my oldest last night after we both went to an event together and out with another friend. And to allow her to come give her some space to speak and give her some space to express and first so that I can learn, uh, cause she's, she's out of the home now has been for a few years and, and also, uh, to learn uh, more from the friend who is there. So, uh, uh, and in other situations where I perhaps would volunteer, I, I, I will, I will step in when it's my turn to step in, if that makes sense. Um, and not try to take, take, it over, which I, I hope I don't do that when my day job, <laughs> I have a role to play and I hope I play it well, but, uh, uh, yes, now I would say is the answer. I, I, I enjoy being able to separate a bit out and be more of a support. There's a the time to lead and a time to support, and actually in leadership there is support, so maybe it's the same throughout. Gosh, that was a confused answer. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, it was a good answer. Okay. I, I
4: think it's real. It's hard. It's good that you said that um, you know, you'd know, be able to step back and sh- kind of shut down out of that leadership role But um, I know for me, as an African-American mom in the African-American community, you always had to be in charge. Um, This has got to do, you got to do this, you got to do that. And so that's a real hard one um, to work on. So if you're able to do that, good. I'm still working on it. I'm still praying about it. But to be able to shut down and not be that person in charge and let other people talk. Let them have it. And, you know, I'm not on the job. <laughs> it's about you. Um, so that, that is a very hard talent to learn and, and capture. So good for you.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I've learned to create a balance. Um, but I've also learned to, what I what I used to find myself doing is at work, I would not portray to be somebody else, but the level of responsibility was kind of different. So, but I've learned to be be who I am. So I don't turn me off. Because if I turn me off, then I'm turning who God has created me to be. And sometimes me being me helps somebody else unconscious you know, subconsciously liberate themselves. So for me, I'm always me. And I have just create that balance. But I also, just like you were saying, because I'm a single parent now. And um, for me, I'm still in that leadership role, even with my kids. Even at there's where, where no matter where I'm at, even with my friends, I'm still in that leadership role. So for me, it, it it's a balance, but it's not even a cut off and cut on. A just weighted a balance. balance. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you
0: yeah,
5: know. yeah. I don't I don't take off my leadership hat when I'm at home because if that leadership is you know influence in who I am, it's always there. But again, that art piece comes in and. Um, sometimes that leadership needs to look like not being bossy all the time, you know. And right. like you said, when you're in a when you're in a position where at work where you're in that mode it's it I easily can get into task mode and uh, you can ask my family especially mm-hmm. when we go on family vacations I go into tour guide mode and I oh, become yeah. you know and <laughs> yeah and um you know so I'm not always the most fun person to be with on those types of trips, you know but oh, so really. just kind of realizing even for me um my personal mission to identify develop and encourage leaders I realize that parenting is, is an outworking of that call and passion as a leader mm-hmm. I mean I'm doing that as a mom with my two teenage sons and So I'm not turning it off, but it looks different. And I have to temper that. And that's what's taking time and wisdom is learning how to do that and not just be hard charging all the time.
1: (laughs) Last night uh, after the event uh, that uh, Tiffany and I were at uh, down at Heron uh, High School, I called my daughter. And uh, she's 30. She has two little ones. And she graduated from uh, University of Loyola in Chicago, with a degree in poetry. She's an English person. And she loves to write and so on. But, you know, because when you have little ones, you don't have any time to do poetry. Mm -hmm. So I called her and I said, after this event that I was just at about creativity and the importance of art and so on, I just want you to know, uh, I call her little one. I I want you to know, little one, that um, you are creating poetry in the lives of your children the life of your husband, the lives of the community that you serve, and in the lives of the church people that you uh, minister with. And that, I think, is, is huge. You are leaders wherever you are. You're creating poetry. That Ephesians 2.10 passage where it says that we're created for workmanship in Christ Jesus, and that, w- that word, workmanship, is little, literally the Greek word poema, which is poetry. You are a poem created by God. So uh, this is a wonderful conversation to have with y'all because you are dealing with the uh, essence of life, uh, knowing when and where to give and how to talk and when to turn it on, when to turn it off, whether you're, you know, in in uh, tourism mode or whatever the case <laughs> might be, you know. Uh, but y'all are doing such a great job, and wherever you're at, and who's ever listening, and the podcast later on, know that you are leaders in your place, wherever you are, whoever you are. We're going to take
0: one break before we end this thing up, man, and I, I'm just so overwhelmed now that I know that you saw the poem that I wrote for my second you book. Did. Every poem I write is a love song.
1: That's it.
0: We'll be right back. you listen to Warp and Woof Radio on the Cool Groove site. All
1: right, we are back. Radio Next. TV at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We are here with four tremendous women from Indianapolis who are doing great, good work as Christian leaders in Indianapolis, and we're so grateful for uh, everybody being here. One of the things that we were discussing off-air was uh, the issue of developing the next generation, developing young people and how that how we go about doing the process of that. So maybe that might be a good way to start here as we uh, close out our last section of the, the show. Uh, how are we influencing younger people and what does that mean for each one of us in whatever leadership roles we're in?
3: I'll start with that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, one of the things that I've learned throughout life and um, working with young people is that a lot of young people um, do not know Christ. They don't, they don't, they do not. Um, they don't even have a desire to learn or know because of environment or the church that they have that a grandparent or their parents or whomever have taken them to and the experiences that they have um, experienced in the church. Um, So one of the things, I don't ever force religion on anybody, and I don't force religion on myself, but I do try to encourage a relationship because the relationship is important. And I always use with young people one thing that was taught to me, and I was taught this at 25 years old. So when I was younger, I I went to, my grandmother took us to church, you know, here and there. We went kind of sporadically. Church wasn't a big thing in our household. Church wasn't even a, you know, a thought process in our household. And um, people, I remember one time my father um, came, we went to my grandmother's house one Sunday, and they're like, you're getting baptized, go up there. And I was like, why is this man dipping me in water? Mm -hmm. That was my, you know, why is he dipping me in water? Nobody explained it. Nobody um, took the time to process that or anything else. So even all this time, I was dealing with a whole lot of things as a youth. And because I was dealing with all of these things as a youth, I can remember all my the biggest thing I always remember, and every church says it all on a regular basis, is come to the altar. Come to the altar. Leave all your problems at the altar. Well, if I'm coming and I'm thinking I'm about to leave all these problems at the altar, you're not explaining to me that these problems are still going to carry with me once I leave this altar and once I leave this church. And someone actually, and I always say that she's my guardian angel, she was my angel because I've never seen this woman again. But um, I was really struggling and battling, I was attending church, but I was still struggling and battling with that relationship. And so she had me write a journal, she gave me a journal, and she had me write down everything, my thoughts, um, my needs, my desires, my wants, all of these things for 30 days. And after those 30 days, she was able to come back to me and actually walk me through each and every one of those days. And once we were done, she didn't throw scriptures at me or anything else, but she was just able to walk me through the process. And then she was able to talk to me of everything that I went through. So all of my hurts, all of my pains, all the things I was trying to release at that time. She actually was able to then go back to the scripture and say, Okay, now you wrote this down. Now do you see how far you able do you see how far you came from day one to now day thirty? And that meant everything to me, and that's when I started my relationship. And I didn't understand beforehand what that really looked like or what that was, and how to trust. And I'm still learning. I'm still walking. God's still walking me through the process of this trust thing. For sure. But, <laughs> but I've learned how to build a relationship, and so we always encourage our girls to build that relationship because a lot of times we don't even know how to build a relationship with ourselves or just people around us, let alone somebody who we can't see. Right. So we focus on that relationship portion of it. We don't throw religion in there. We don't you you this you that no. Mm-mm. Now whatever is going on in your household, if they're throwing it at you, that's something different. But we try to focus on that relationship because it's so important that we understand what that relationship looks like, but what a healthy relationship looks like as well. So.
4: And I, for me, I ask the question every Sunday, why are the pews so empty of young people? Mm-hmm. Um, you have your 80, 90-year-olds, and then in my category, but there's very few. Even on Youth Sunday, it's very few in the choir. They might be the little bitty ones when they don't have the, can't make that decision. They don't drive yet, you know? Um, so I, I never forced religion um, on my children or my grandchildren, but I did explain to them what I know about it and and God and Jesus and I said it's just it's my responsibility to introduce you to him just as you bring your friends home, you introduce them to me. It's, your, it's my choice whether I'm going to like them or not. Um, but I have to get to know them first. And so that's how I explain God and, and his son Jesus to them. And now I have told you, I've made the introduction, so it's on you now to uh, learn about him and learn about what he has for you. And I used the picture of Jesus knocking on the door. I said, if you notice, the handle was not on the exterior on the interior and he's waiting for you to open the door so that means opening your heart to him and so helping them understand that now uh... my grandson um, whenever it's time to go to church he goes to church but uh... he prays and he believes in prayer and i think um, we're missing teaching that to our children and i when i see the young children out here and the violences that they're causing and which you know most of the homicides are from our youth mm-hmm. um, and they have no value in life um, or human beings because they don't know the creator. Um, and I think the bitterness that um, the peop- that adults have because they're missing two on the pews is because they worshiped the pastor. They didn't come to worship God. And so when the pastor goes awry, something happens, he lets them down, he does some sin, then they are just burnt out. God has forsaken them because they're looking at God, at, 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 uh, the pastor as uh, the God, and you know the pastor created infidelity. Well, oh my God, you know the whole church falls apart. But you're coming for the wrong thing. The, the, the God is using the pastor as the vessel to get the word to you. He is not God. He is going to fail. He's going to die. He's going to do all the things that we do. And so um, to get that out of their mindset that what you're coming there for is totally wrong it's not about the pastor it's not about the choir director it's not about all that but it's really about learning about God and how so how do we help our kids know that
0: I'm gonna use my grandmother's method can can I say this Mark you know you know where I'm going Mm -hmm. first memory I have in my life was the fear of going to hell because the fear of the Lord was my grandmother's way of having you understand that this God thing is real uh you might get to see and understand it a little bit later but I was so afraid to go to hell (laughs) in the early ages of my life because of the fear of God that it started putting in order something's bigger than you and I think that if we keep trying to water down uh, you know the this, this the the presence and the greatness of God then we're not doing you know his greatness of service uh that's just my personal opinion because kids but, but I want we, we, we like yeah go ahead that
3: a lot of youth nowadays feel like they're already living in hell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly so it that's a good that's that's a you know. So it has, well, it has to be someplace better
4: than this. Right? You well, know, I know are.
0: principle needs to change. Yes. I mean, principle yes. never changes, and fashion does, and I don't know how do we impart that into mm-hmm. the young people of the right. day's life. But, uh, you know, we were living in hell back in nineteen sixty. 362 exactly. and when Kennedy was assassinated and the civil rights movement, what's going on and people were living in hell. Then hmm. uh, hell is relevant to the time you live in, I think. And I think that we've gotten away from the principle of making sure that our young people know without unequivocally uh, believe that there is a God, there is, there is a power bigger than you. And there's a responsibility right. of you as a human being going, growing up, that seed has to be planted. Now scripture also says they might go wayward. But they will come back from what's planted and I don't think we're planting I think we're we're, we're doing this illusion of uh, let's go to this big place let's have this big concert every Sunday Uh, you get uh, uh, bombarded with here's your tithe if you don't tithe you're not (laughs) you know we we, we get all this other stuff except the fear of God being at the Mm -hmm. centerpiece of life Um, you'll figure this out and you'll learn this if you seek but we 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 don't even do the simple planting anymore I I
3: agree with that and the churches have changed yeah the churches have changed the dynamics of the church have changed, and that's why, like you were saying a, a second ago, even adults aren't even going to church, so you know the kids are not going if the adults if the adults are not going so I think the whole dynamics of the church i think the churches not all churches, but um I feel like some most churches nowadays I'll say most not all um have come to the grips of. I need to worship my pastor or I need to worship the things that the church are doing. I don't have to be. Nec- it, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's kind of like, I'm not going to say, uh, it's kind of like a sorority or fraternity. time. To I'm say it. to this church because I'm a part of something mm-hmm. and I can say, Oh, I'm part of this church because they doing this or they name is out there somewhere. And it goes back to the name, but Oh, I'm, I'm a part of something. So I'm going I'm a come, but not being spiritually fed or not being able to make sure that your kids or that your grandkids or that whomever is around you is being spiritually fed and feeding yourself spiritually outside of the church is a big issue for a lot of people as well but i think the church has become so judgmental yeah. um become there i walked into a church this was years ago i walked into a church with my daughter this is only when i had my daughter and uh, i ain't gonna say what church it was but this church i walked in as a visitor, and someone looked at me and they said, "Are you? Oh, you visiting this church?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. She was like, "Oh, we don't need no new
2: visitors."
4: I said,
3: "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay."
0: <laughs> oh, and politely walked out. Dr. Mark, I've been reading <laughs> your questions. <laughs> oh. I've been that was uh, you needed to walk out on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but 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 yeah. you know, I've been reading your questions that you had for the ladies, Mark, and this one has been sticking out with me because I think it is a. Um, I think it's a disclaimer and, and sad that we don't use testing, psychological testing. So Professor Angie, get up on this microphone for a minute. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. <laughs> no, I want to know, you know, because Mark did ask a question about, you know, how do Christian women leaders make use of spiritual gift tests? And are they in competition with uh, tests like Myers-Briggs and, DIC and other, uh, DISC and other tests like that or personality assessments? And how important do you think that is since we have these tools to use today? Um, to find out who people are, uh, to go closer and quicker to exploring the gifts, maybe.
5: Uh, Great question. So, um, first of all, actually, spiritual gifts tests and and a lot of those other inventories, there's not a whole lot of... they're not very valid from like a research perspective actually and so um, I always hesitate when people put a lot of weight in any particular um, test whether it's a spiritual gifts one or a personality one or something because you latch onto to that and you tend to uh, for example, the spiritual gifts test. There's a publishing company that that publishes them, and there's like four or five versions of them, depending on what your theological <laughs> background <laughs> yes. is. And exactly. so, it I mean, so flavor of right. Faith, right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, is that you know, is so? There's that just from one publisher. There's you know that many flavors of it, and so how can that be a you know a true measure when some some of them don't even include the same gifts as on the other one, you know, and and um and and I think you know there's folks who latch onto a, a particular whether it's strengths finder or spiritual gifts or the disc or the Myers-Briggs or whatever the you know the current hot one is you know and you tend to um, pigeonhole people into that well you're doing that because you're a whatever kind of mm-hmm. thing I, exactly. I think those you know those types of inventories and stuff are helpful um, to help you reflect on yourself and 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 learn more about yourself to give you a piece of the picture but um it's also just as important probably more important to be asking questions in relationship and community and saying you know where can i learn and grow and not just oh okay here i am i'm i'm in this box i'm a uh you know me personally i am in um i s t j on the myers briggs you know what well, we, or a, or a whatever color or animal or whatever <laughs> thing, or a triangle or a shape or whatever kind of thing. And, and again, that's just another way we can just kind of lump people into these and kind of classify them without really getting to know them. And so I think there's some advantages to it in helping to understand your stuff, but I think they have a lot of limitations. And I caution anybody against using anything as kind of the measurement of a person. How, you know, how do you... I, you know I could be an ISTJ and I don't know what Mark any of you guys are but I mean I could be sitting next to another ISTJ and we're still completely different people mm-hmm. yeah, you know? just yeah. an so, ingredient
0: yeah. one of the ingredients in making up the exactly yeah. the people are
4: yeah. I had an employer that uh, said I had to take the Myers Briggs to work there and you know I just really balked against it well I'm not because I didn't want to know uh, like you said for me for me personally yes but not as a, a hiring tool because if you do well, I felt like It was that you just wanted this certain type of person in your employment, and if you didn't come out with the right color code or the right alphabetical letters, then you weren't going to be hired in there. And I I just felt that was kind of discriminatory there as well for me.
2: I, uh, uh, in preparation for today, I actually brought my tests. I have my spiritual gifts test, my disc test. <laughs> um, here's one called The Purpose Pattern. I hadn't heard of that one oh. before. And uh, then there's my... Actually, I couldn't find my Myers-Briggs because that was back in the 80s, but I found another <laughs> one that I it took. That's when big. And so it changed. It. Yeah, and so it was just... And, and I think the interesting thing that I saw, just perusing them again, because I hadn't... It had been... 2 or 3 years on some of these but it had been maybe 10 years on the spiritual gifts is that it at the very least and it's a good question you brought up about you know what what form of spiritual gift are you test are you taking but um uh, cuz I did go back online and look it's like oh my gosh they are all very different but I, it in the it, overall it looked at least like in the spiritual gift test it's how i serve as opposed to um more much more detail about me me alone it's how I serve, and I thought well okay that that's at least my impression of it uh and i and it, the questions are a little more broad uh like again, I was rereading my my myers briggs retake from I think about three or four years ago, and mm-hmm. some little questions i mean they just get down to the nitty gritty and I don't suppose that's a bad thing necessarily, but um, how how detailed do I Need to be to be at least perhaps affirmed, uh, directed a bit. Um, If I have some confusion, maybe these can help direct a bit. Maybe I practice that a little bit and see how that goes. And uh, for example, in my uh, uh, spiritual gifts, I first time I well this main time I took it administrative I thought are you kidding me that doesn't sound very (laughs) exciting but that's the truth I've always been in that place where I can help strategize and resource I've always been there and I love that I'm not frontline I want to make sure frontline is equipped and ready to go Um, doesn't mean I can't be frontline so those are I I think that's where um, there there's a use but you're right don't make them an all reliable
5: yeah, I think they're a con- they should be conversation starters, right. not conversation finishers. And so right. we've got you all figured out.
0: Right. So, yeah. Well, this ENFJ personality is <laughs> about 100% on with his profile. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sorry. I'm 100% him. I, you know, from what they say, they, that, that profile type is 100% him, and I can't even run from him.
1: And I love you, brother love you back, man. This has been powerful, man. <laughs> it has been. I'm, I'm going to uh, give you ladies just a, a moment to reflect uh, as I kind of wind this down for us. But I would like you to just take 30 seconds now, that's 30 seconds now, 30 seconds each, uh, to just give us uh, one statement for any women that are listening today, podcast later on, uh, some encouragement. Uh, what encouragement would you offer to ladies uh, in their leadership roles? So that's the question I'd like for you to answer, uh, 30 seconds each. Uh, but to, uh, from my perspective, let me just say this. W- these are the two things that kind of um, I'm walking away with today from, from y'all, and that is reflection. I think one of the things uh, that, that these testing issues brought up at the end is how much time we should spend on our own reflecting, uh, pondering, practicing Salah, the Hebrew word in the Psalms, to uh, stop, think, consider. Uh, reflect this is important for us uh, leaders, all leaders, genders, ethnicities uh, cultures doesn 't matter. how am I relating to the God that I serve and then the second thing that came across very strong uh, in this uh, round table today was the issue of relationship and you all uh, touched on this in one way or another, uh, how you interact with different individuals not only within the framework or structure of the the um, uh, opportunities that you have, but also in your outreach to others relationships. So reflection and relationship. So we're gonna go around the, the table here, we'll start with Tiffany. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just giving us 30 seconds of encouragement uh, toward women who are listening today.
2: Oh, what what a wonderful thing, to, uh, opportunity. that Each of us is gifted in different ways. Um, we are all the, the branches of the vine. And there are many ways to, to serve the kingdom, to f- advance the kingdom, and uh, explore, try, don't be afraid, uh, love, be, uh, seek mentors. There, there are ways, be active, because it's never gonna be one path. It's never gonna be the only way. It's gonna change. I'm on my third career. I don't mind going into a fourth at some point. So uh, um, be open and be um, flexible. but always uh, with with God's word as your ultimate guide.
4: Um, This pastor gave me this uh, passage um, for, I'll call it for women, but um, it's about your heart. Everything we do is about our heart. And um, So it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones, and that came out of Proverbs 14 Mm -hmm. and 30. So, uh, you know, if we just... Uh, be mindful of our hearts and mm-hmm. treat one another as we want to be treated. Um, I, I think we can expire mm. hatred and all the other things um, that you know this world is suffering right now. Um, my president of my company has a new hashtag, Make courtesy common. Mm. and uh, you know I wear the bracelet constantly because if we just can be just a little more courteous to one another um, We can change a whole lot of things, and it it can start with us as women.
2: Right.
3: Um, I would say to um, operating your gift, because you are you were born, and you are equipped to, and you are the only one that can operate in your gift, whatever that gift may be. But also to genuinely and wholeheartedly love everyone, and what you put out and how you treat people is what you get back.
5: Oh, you're you're done. All right. I'm going to pass along some wisdom I got uh, in a class from a professor one time, which is no matter where you are in life and whatever your age, somebody wants to follow you. Mm and you should be also following someone else so um, let's right. be on the same team find uh, if you don't have them already find some uh, person or people who can be mentors to you but then also look for those who are wanting to learn and to follow and um, teach them the younger generation as well
1: mm-hmm. ladies this has been terrific uh, Tiffany thanks so much for being here Laura Latanya, Angie all of you uh, all of the words expressed uh, the things that you've suggested here today have been fantastic. Thank you ever so much for your time. Thank you. Um, Thank always, you. HB, as, as it's uh, customary for us week to week, um, love having you here because your take on things uh, takes us in different directions, which is always good and wonderful. I just wanted to announce uh, the next two weeks on uh, Warp and Woof Radio, the folks that will be coming in. Uh, Next week, we're going to be discussing the question, how does community overcome poverty and crime? How does community overcome poverty and crime? Uh, Kevin Russell, uh, who is an agent of redemption, though he actually works for the parole agency of Indiana, but that's what he calls himself with a Jesus name tag right on his bulletproof vest. Uh, Kevin Russell will be here. Troy Riggs, uh, former IMPD head, will be here giving us lots of stats and information. And then David Cederquist will be here as well. We're gonna do a round table next week too. And that round table will be on how do, does a community foster an opportunity to overcome crime. David Cedarquist is the pastor at Brookside and they're doing phenomenal work with returning citizens out of a new initiative called the Isaiah House. Uh, they did their uh, CDC just this last week, a great gala banquet, raised a ton of money. It was great to be there. And then the week after, on October fourth, Terrell Sarver and uh, uh, B Men are going to be is going to be back with us. But he's bringing with him a number of black men male leaders uh, from Indianapolis, and I cannot wait for that show either. That's going to be a great show.